welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello and welcome back. I hope you're still enjoying summer, but I am sure some of you are looking forward to getting your kids back in school. It's been a while since I've had a new guest on the show, but I've got a couple of good ones today. And I have a lot of great interviews scheduled. We just haven't gotten around to recording them yet, but um, a lot of great things coming up in future episodes. Before we get started, I want to remind you that the upcoming ACPLS event in San Francisco happens October 24th through 26th. There are sessions on marketing, sales, leadership, career development, and the always popular customer panel. You can learn more about it and register for this one-of-a-kind event at acp-ls.org. Now, let's jump in to today's interview. Hello, everyone. Um, my guest host today is Hillary Graham. We're doing another special episode, and I'll explain that in a minute. Hillary is the Director of Scientific Marketing and Applications at Luminex Corporation. Hillary reached out to me earlier this year. She's doing uh, research on her PhD thesis in technical communications, which is now complete. Congratulations. Thanks, Chris. And once it was published, she sent me the results and said, hey, what would be interesting for your audience out of this thesis? And I saw that geotargeting was on the list. And I said, well, that's something we haven't covered. So let's Let's talk about that. So today, that's what we're generally going to talk about is how to use strategies and what the channels are to use geotargeting in your marketing campaigns. And she will be interviewing. So hello, Hillary. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. And she is going to interview Jeremiah Worth because he's the person or, um, well, let me back up. Jeremiah Worth is the vice president of client strategy at CG Life, an integrated marketing communications agency focused on life science and healthcare. And Jeremiah is the person that uh, Hillary talked to about the geotargeting part of her thesis. So I said, let's, let's all get together and talk about this thing because I think it's relatively new and it's actually, I'll be honest, when I first heard about it a year ago, I thought, yeah, I don't know. Is that really going to happen? And now I've heard a couple of great examples. And so I think this is um, going to be a great episode. So Jeremiah, welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, nice to be here. And Hillary, nice to talk to you again. My pleasure. All right. So Hillary, I'm going to let you take over. You're going to lead the session, ask all the questions. I'll jump in if necessary or if curious, really. And um, go ahead. Great. Ready to dive right in, Jeremiah? Oh, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go to the deep end. So let's kick things off with starting um, by defining what is geotargeting, also known as geomarketing. So geotargeting, it's the practice of being able to deliver specific marketing content uh, to people based on their geographic location. So uh, basically what we want to do, we want to be able to infer uh, from a marketing standpoint that uh, certain content is going to be of interest to people who are in one place um, and that that criteria there is going to help inform what they're going to see. So uh, it's a way to be able to allow us to be able to really pinpoint uh, information just based on uh, that criteria um, and nothing else. 
Fantastic. So many of us might be interested or even using in our campaigns retargeting. Can you speak to the benefits of geotargeting versus traditional retargeting? So yeah, so for geotargeting and retargeting, uh, they're both, it's apples and oranges. It's a little different. So geotargeting is contextual. We're going to be able to make some uh, some really good assumptions based on information around where you are at. Um, and it's going to be able to allow you to reach more people based on that location. Um, so you have a very specific parameter that people who are here are probably interested in this one thing. So uh, if you are near a car dealership, for example, people can probably assume that you are interested in, in looking at a car. Um, so it's, it's more, more specific based on that one piece of information that you've given purely just by being in a certain area. Um, retargeting is all about re-engagement. Uh, so you have done something already on a website. So you have performed an action. Um, and based on that action, um, you're now going to have uh, some marketing specifically tailored to you, uh, following you around based on the fact that you've done something. So basically you've pre-qualified yourself as being interested in this thing because of the sites you have visited before. Um, so it's a way to be able to make sure that, you know, you're going to be able to um, be reminded that, hey, you are here, you are interested, we think we might be a good fit. Here's more information about us through banner ads, uh, display ads, things like that. So retargeting is all about an action you've taken. Uh, Geotargeting is all about uh, contextual information around where you're at at the time. So it seems like using someone's location um, m might get around regulatory or, or ethical issues that are associated with retargeting. Can you think of some examples of that? Yeah, I mean, I think this has come up uh, a lot because of the GDPR um, regulations that have been, especially in Europe, but uh, that just kind of had a trickle down effect across all digital marketing channels. And um, so one of the things that you always want to be thinking about is, you know, am I using information that is in any way personal when we're doing any marketing, right? So that uh, PII, personally identifiable information is something that GDPR was trying to limit. Um, and some of the other things that's where the quote unquote creepiness starts to drive in is I, you, you know, something about me that you shouldn't, because I don't think I've given this to you. Um, geolocation gets around all of that or geotargeting gets around all of that because the fact that you are somewhere is one piece of information that is just out there. You are there. We know you are here. Um, you know, as long as it's not necessarily inside the home, but somewhere else at a conference, at a lab, um, at a school. Uh, and we can make some inferences based on that information. So, um, you know, it's, it's always a good way to be able to get around any personalized information. There's nothing about you, the person, outside of the fact that you are standing or sitting in this one place. Um, and we can add context around that. So, um, you know, one of the things as, as we think about, you know, this whole geotargeting, retargeting, the, the personal information piece of this is, you know, we're seeing that, you know, there are a lot of people who are still continuing to opt into things. People are getting more and more used to sharing information. And um, when you look at something like geotargeting, a good example we always like to share with our clients is, you know, when you're at a mall and someone is trying to uh, show you an ad for shoes, you're not personally offended or taken aback by the fact that someone's trying to market shoes to you because you're at a mall where they sell shoes. And, you know, and so this is kind of the same thing. It's just on a more digital level and it becomes a bit easier to be able to uh, access and understand where people are at just based on the fact that everyone's walking around with 
a computer in their pocket. And um, so now that's information that we can then use, um, again, in, in a most ethical way possible. Uh, but to be able to get information that they're going to be interested in uh, and be able to display that to them. So hopefully it's a much uh, you know, shorter connection uh, and a much more targeted and not as broad of a campaign. Assuming that most life science marketers haven't run a, a geotargeting campaign, can you share maybe an unexpected benefit? Sure. So I, I think one thing I want to point out is that the, the geotargeting uh, isn't necessarily a campaign, but it's a tactic that we would put in a much larger uh, digital marketing or paid advertising campaign. So it's one of the many tools that here at CG Life that we use for our clients, um, depending on what their business goals are and their criteria are. Um, you know, when we talk about um, kind of unexpected benefits, uh, we try not to think of them as unexpected benefits, because if we're doing it the right way, then it's going to help get the benefits that uh, hopefully we're going to be able to uh, um, to get from the campaign that we're rolling out. Um, but I think we're going to use a term here that you know it's meant in the best possible way, but it's something like ambushing people. Um, and we don't mean it in the way that it's like, oh, why, why am I seeing this? But there's an unexpected um, result that when you're not necessarily looking for something in a passive way, but then you hear something that either you are aware of a brand or you're hearing about something that is very applicable to you in a channel that you're not used to you know, seeing or hearing it in, um, there's a kind of a stopping power to that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unexpected, like, oh, wait, this really applies to me. This is something I'm interested in. And um, you know, you, when you're not expecting it, it has a bit more of an impact. So um, you know, I think that's one of the, the benefits that we found is that whenever you're using some of this geolocation, data to be able to uh, make sure that we're really refined in the message that we're putting to a specific group of people who are in one location. People are more receptive quite often because they're just, they're not thinking that this is going to be something that's going to be coming to them at that point. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's a happy surprise in some cases, but we find that that has a bigger impact too, because they're not necessarily looking for it. So when it does connect, it has a really positive response from them. So going back to ambushing people, uh, where <laughs> okay, I should have never used that word, huh? I love it. Yeah. I love it. Happily yeah. surprising people. <laughs> Happily surprising. Thank you, Chris. So where, uh, in what channels have you surprised people? And can you sort of walk us through that? Cause I, uh, sure. just for uh, discussion sake. Yeah. So in general, whenever we're looking at geotargeting, um, a lot of times we'll be looking at things like paid search, uh, programmatic display ads, uh, programmatic video, LinkedIn, some things like that. One of the more um, successful campaigns that we've run um, that we did find the the happy surprise element come in was uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, programmatic audio ads um, within uh, services like Pandora and Spotify. And so you have a lot of people out there who uh, aren't paying for the premium service. So they're listening to their there are three commercials after every three songs or two commercials after every three songs. And so what we've been able to do is be able to use uh, that location data and the, the geotargeting to be able to say you're in, for example, a, uh, a lab at your school um, or we know where your labs are at for, you know, for some of the, these bigger companies that uh, are out there that you're trying to target. And so everyone who's listened to podcasts or listened to Pandora or Spotify you're going to you know know the ads we're talking about. There's 
the male chimp or, or male kimp for all of our uh, serial fans out there. Um, you have stamps.com. You have all of these ones that everyone is very familiar, but then suddenly you come through with an ad for a life science company mm-hmm. or, you know, for, for someone, a biotech firm or, you know, someone who has a product that you're looking for there. Suddenly that is, it stands out a little bit more because it's in your, you know, you have your headset on, you're listening, but now suddenly there's something that's very specific to what you're doing and your interest level. And being able to take that, that is a, a you know, the most recent example of, um, you know, something we've used that was really able to target people where they're working and where they're at. Um, and we've seen a pretty big impact um, based on those things. And the other thing too, is that it's just, it's nice. We're not painting with a broad brush, right? You're not everyone who's listening to Pandora in, you know, in the city of Chicago is going to be getting those ads. It's just going to be within these academic institutions or within these labs um, or these, uh, you know, these companies that we know are going to be interested in what our clients are trying to make people aware of and, and getting the word out for them. So maybe depending on your generation, some people find at least traditional retargeting creepy. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to how geotargeting maybe gets around the creepiness factor? Yeah. So we're going to get back again to that personalized information that that is identifiable, the personalized identifiable information um, that a lot of people associate with the creepiness factor. Um, So geotargeting doesn't use any of that. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just the place that, that you're at. And, you know, instead of being like where you are at and saying, you know, uh, Hillary, you're on the train, but we know you're on the train. So we're going to focus this here. That's not how this works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't follow you. It is in a location. And then once you enter that location, we can now make, you know, some uh, very educated um, assumptions based on that, that you're not going to be interested in this content that we're looking to serve up, this this marketing content. So I imagine so, this works well at trade shows, potentially. It works really well at trade shows. Um, you know, we do a, a lot of things for uh, clients of ours that include things like Snapchat filters. So uh, I'm going to guess a lot of people who are listening to this podcast have been at a trade show and either they have or have been around someone who has flipped on uh, their Snapchat or Instagram uh, accounts and suddenly they take a picture and they have the option to be able to use a filter that's associated with that conference or maybe sponsored by one of the exhibitors who are there. Um, so that uses geo-targeting. So that the idea there is that people see that, they think it's cute uh, or fun, they post that, and now suddenly there's the marketing aspect is out there for all of that person's Instagram followers or that company's Instagram followers or Snapchat followers. Um, so we do things like that. Um, when you talk about other ways that are, you know, not necessarily expected. Uh, a lot of times we'll run uh, ads for our clients in, in ad room, uh, oh, I'm sorry, in room ads for hotels. So when you go flip on your TV and it's running through the spa that you have there and then the, the movie choices, you can purchase uh, ads uh, space there on that kind of menu screen or in room entertainment package um, for, uh, for what you're trying to sell too. So again, when you're looking at a trade show, you go back to your hotel, you've had a long day and then you pop on the TV another opportunity to remind someone that you're there. That's not necessarily a, a commercial that's running during any programs. It's just on one of those informational channels, but we know the hotels that are associated with the conferences. You can target those knowing that people are going to be staying there. And it's another way to be able to just unobtrusively uh, be able to kind of enter the, the mindset and, and, you know, bring up awareness 
to a very targeted group of people uh, in a way that, you know, I think anyone who's seeing that, they know why they're seeing it. They're not surprised that someone's showing an ad there. They're there for a conference. This is associated with it, but it's just a another channel that may not be fully expected, um, but they can have really good results, especially from a, an awareness standpoint. So I'm certain you've piqued listeners' interest, but this is definitely an outside-of-the-box channel, at least presently. How do you convince clients or maybe how can you convince your manager that this is something that you should um, mix into your, your current portfolio of tools? Sure. So I think one is that the audiences are changing. And, you know, one one of the core tenets we, we use and that I, I talk to clients all the time is that you're not marketing to, to yourself. You know, you're marketing to an audience who is different from you. Um, and so, you know, things that may not, you know, you may not be familiar with right now from a generational standpoint, people are now more and more accustomed to um, being marketed to directly uh, to have specific information of theirs that is is kind of driving a lot of this stuff um, where I think it is a generational thing where people used to be very, you know, uh, they, they, they would be dubious about how their information is going to be used, but now people feel more comfortable. And so it's not an unexpected uh, uh, thing there. Um, and I think at, at the end of the day, you know, there are people who are using the internet. There are people who are being marketed to, and, you know, people are, are, this is a way of life. This isn't something that is new. Um, geo-targeting in and of itself is as old as marketing is, if you think about it. Um, you know, we always hear stories about the lobbyists out in Washington, D.C. who knew the bus stops that their congressmen used to be able to get to work every day. And so they would run an ad campaign of one bus stop, please. And they would use that information to be able to say, I know that this person is going to be here. I want to influence that. And this is going to be the way that we do that. Um, you know, uh, so it, it's within the vicinity of things. As you get closer to certain locations, you see more billboards popping up for those. So this isn't really a, a new um, way of thinking about marketing. In fact, it's, it's geolocation is at the core of a lot of this. Um, but the way and the methods that we've been able to now implement it because of the fact that everyone is online, everyone carries around their cell phones or their, uh, their tablets, the laptops everywhere, you now have more of an opportunity to be able to make an impact based on some of that information. Um, you know, I think the the other big thing is that, you know, we always want to make sure that we're painting with a, a, a really fine brush whenever we're, we're, we're setting up these uh, paid advertising pl plans, these, these digital marketing plans. And, you know, you want to use the information that you're given. Uh, and this is information here that, again, is just relevant to the people who are in the location. Uh, and there's nothing more than that. So, um, you know, by not painting a much broader stroke, you're able to use the resources you have available, whether it's budget or time or anything, to be able to make sure that you're getting the word out about the thing that you want to to be known, that to drive awareness or leads um, in front of the people who care about it. And so if you're doing this the right way, if you're doing this, you know, uh, in a really wise ethical way, um, people should be seeing things that they care about and you're getting in, right, in front of the right audiences. You're not going to be wasting time or budget uh, by painting a, you know, a really, really broad uh, campaign. Um, and it should be appreciated both ways. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's also a good way to be able to stand out too, uh, especially people who are, um, you know, used to a more traditional publisher space as example, right? All you can do is hope that someone is reading through that magazine or journal and that your ad is 
seen catches their attention and sparks interest. Um, it's tough to stand out in those kind of situations because there's a very limited amount of space and opportunity to be able to make that. There's still a tremendous value from the way we look at it, but it is part of the plan. Um, you know, as you start looking into some of the other channels here that includes using geotargeting, um, you know, you're going to be able to start to expand into some advertising channels that may not cost as much to enter, um, may be able to be more refined uh, and may allow you to be able to you know, stand out and, and honestly start a relationship with your audience in a much more specific way um, than hoping that you see results from some of these other, you know, more traditional channels. So boiling the benefits down, it seems like you need to shift your mindset to a, a quality um, connection or lead versus uh, a shotgun quantity approach, right? It depends on what you're trying to do. Um, you know, one of the things that we always start with our customer relationships or client relationships um, is before we say you need to do this, we need to understand what you're looking for the campaign to do for you. Um, you know, is it awareness? Do people, you just need to make people aware of the fact that you have a product or a service um, that they just need to be aware of and you want to just start to put out there? Um, or are you looking to be able to, you know, do something that, that is directly tied to leads or a specific conversion? Um, because knowing that allows us to better position, you know, how broad or how refined we want to be able to make some of these uh, markets and the channels we want to use to be able to do these things. Um, you know, we always want to make sure that, you know, what we're proposing and what we're going to build alongside with our, our clients uh, is going to align to the business goals. Because uh, at the end of the day, you want to make sure that, you know, it, it's it's going to end up with a happy everybody, a happy client, a happy uh, and customer, um, that there's always a plan there. So um, it's definitely something you want to become more familiar with and comfortable with um, because it is just, it's another tool um, that we have when building out a successful overall campaign um, to be able to leverage. Christine, oh, I was just going to, um, I was going to jump in on the last observation and it was really just kind of reinforcing those things about um, marketing to your audience and not to yourself. I know I'm guilty of that sometimes, but I think it is important to realize that, you know, when you have a new technology like this, that there are people who are already kind of living in that world and you should test it. And, um, and then there's always, um, if you think it's the right thing to do for your company or your client, um, one test it, but being an early adopter of it might give you some advantage. And then I just like the idea of thinking about targeting your ads in any way you can to reduce the cost. I mean, even with a ad on Pandora or Spotify, there are you know hundreds or thousands of people roaming around a city, but the ability to narrow it down to certain hotels or inside of a certain conference center, I'm really fascinated by that technology about how granular the the targeting can get, <laughs> but then you're really not taking up space. And in fact, most of the people in that conference conference center don't want to hear about MailChimp or, you know, uh, Casper mattress anymore. So, or me undies. Let's just say it. Me yeah, undies. We all so, want to say that. Yeah. That's, that's the one so, we all hear too. Um, they're gonna, <laughs> that's the happy surprise is, Oh wow. Somebody's talking to me about something I actually care about. So I think it's, um, it's kind of interesting that way. And I just think, you know, people should think about those things about being 
open to these new ideas and not just trying them because they're new, but thinking about them and, and, but recognizing the advantage of going first. Yeah. And Chris, just, it's a really, it's a good point. And to follow up on that, I think uh, one of the things you can do, especially as you're looking at, you know, your different audiences. And if we're looking at uh, younger audiences, um, you know, people who are just out of school, who are in the, maybe the first 10 years of their career. Um, a lot of marketers aren't necessarily looking for them on the channels or the, the mediums that they use. And so, you know, going back again to that, that Pandora or Spotify ad sample uh, example, you know, there is something that is um, surprising in hearing anything that's relevant to their career in, in those channels. And um, it's a nice way to be able to seem like you as a company uh, are proactive and have a good understanding of who their audiences are. And so, you know, not only are, is it difficult for a lot of companies who are out marketing something, they're so close to the thing that they are, are selling, the product, the service, the, you know, evangelizing of their organization, um, that it's often, it's, it's difficult to be able to put yourself into someone else's shoes. And, um, and, th and that's, it's hard because this is, this is what you live. You're very passionate about it. And, um, you know, being able to to think about it in terms of someone else's viewpoint and being able to meet them there, um, you can transition that passion and energy that you have put into a format and an area where someone else is looking for it. And that's how you start to kind of create and cultivate uh, awareness and start building these relationships. So, um, you know, it's, it's great. It, the other side of all of these, especially digital marketing projects or, or channels um, is that they're all malleable. Um, you know, it's not like if you place a print ad that's going to a printer, it gets printed. It's now forever in that, in that magazine or journal, um, from a digital perspective, you're able to go out there and, uh, see the results. You're able to see, um, you know, what terms or what ads are getting results. And then you're able to see which ones may not be hitting the mark as well. And you can go in and you can now start to pivot and, you can adjust so that, you know, you're not just stuck in those lanes, you know, until the ad spend runs out. Um, you're able to go in and make adjustments uh, in real time on the fly. Um, and again, understanding the strategy, making sure you're not making knee jerk reactions, but it allows you to have some control and uh, really optimize the marketing budgets that you have um, so that you can make sure you're hitting the right people again with the the, the terms, the, the information and the content that they're they're looking for is relevant to them and is going to connect with the market you're trying to reach. So, Jeremiah, now that we've set the stage on what is geomarketing and what are the benefits mm -hmm. of doing it, can you walk us through briefly of how do you implement a geomarketing campaign? Like what pieces of info do you need um, to get this started? Yeah, sure. So again, um, you know, we start off when we look at it as part of a much larger campaign, um, again, we realign back to overall goals, who you're trying to reach. Um, and then if we find out that uh, one geo uh, targeting is actually a really valid, um, valid plan for us to be able to go down, um, you know, we make sure that, uh, you know, we have a better understanding of the locations and the people that you're trying to reach, the personas, um, the different audiences, both from a job title, location, um, you know, 
getting the information that we can use to make sure that we have the proper areas set, um, the proper time set, right? You don't want to try to hit a, uh, an academic institution in July, you know, for the most part, you want to wait till people are back in session there. Um, so it, it's just gathering a lot of just that contextual data of here's the times we think people are going to be in certain locations. Here is, you know, the message that we want to be able to get to those people. Um, you know, again, understanding if you're talking to, um, you know, someone who is a lab director or someone who uh, may just be, uh, you know, coming from procurement or the C-suite, making sure that the messages you have are aligned with, um, you know, the type of conference that's going to be there. Or, uh, you know, if the location, if corporate offices are in one place, but the lab's in another place, making sure that, um, you know, if there is a very specific message that we can tailor to those audiences, that we can do that. So, um, you know, we always start there. And again, it all comes back to understanding what the goals are for the um, for the campaigns. Great. So one of the things that really helps me understand um, something new is uh, when someone shares a case study. Do you have any case studies that you could share? Uh... Uh, yeah, Hillary, I'm glad you asked. I sure do. It's a shock, right? Um I've, I, we've got a couple, and I, I just, uh, again, uh, we've got a, one of our, uh, I want to make sure that uh, we have some NDAs in place, so there's a couple are going to be broad, but then I have one specific one. Um, but we have a, one uh, client of ours who had basically just been going in publisher media alone, uh, and they just weren't getting the the website traffic they were looking for because they were really light in, in the uh programmatic, geotargeting, uh, all of these things. They just weren't focused on that. So uh, what we did is we looked at the goals and the goals for this one were just, we wanted to see the impression volume increase because we just wanted to raise awareness for them from a digital side. Uh, and then we were tracking site visits. That's how we were going to say whether this was a successful campaign or not. So there wasn't a direct correlation to sales. It was just getting people to the site and, um, and seeing what happens after that. So we ran a six month programmatic campaign um, that was basically there to increase awareness for a clinical study um, that was all about the efficacy of a medical device uh, that they had in relationship to a competitor. So just a little context around what this was for. Um, but we ran that and that included geotargeting of a couple specific conferences uh, out there as well. Um, and during that six month time frame, uh, we saw that there was a 139% increase in total site visits over uh, the time when it was publisher media alone. Um, and then we saw a 168% uh, increase in impression volume. So there was just a lot more people seeing this and covering it using a budget that was probably less than the publisher budget. Um, and then, uh, but we were seeing a lot of people actually engaging with their, their website um, based on that as well. So it's just getting it in front of people in the places that they're, they're looking for it. Um, Another case study we did is uh, it's for our friends at, uh, at the American Chemical Society, and we worked in uh, collaboration with them um, very specifically around um, a campaign that was meant to drive uh, engagement through their, uh, um, uh, their academic journals. Uh, they wanted to get more submissions for journal entries. And uh, we put together a really dedicated, very uh, surgical plan to be able to hit a lot of academic institutions on an international scale. And so we were able to uh, build out plans that basically made sure any of the students who were going to certain institutions or um, 
any of the major healthcare facilities, hospitals, and things like that in major metropolitan areas, um, that they were targeted with uh, ads on public transportation, uh, that there were uh, uh, ads uh, at bus stops and train stops, um, but that also we had very targeted um, banner ads that were in uh, all of these areas using geolocation. Um, and then uh, there was also a really nice app that they had developed that uh, would push people to a QR code to download and you could see interactive videos uh, in a really nice way too. But uh, th they were one of the other clients that we've used um, the programmatic audio ads on as well. And being able to uh, target some of the academic, uh, academic labs um, so uh, the people who you really want to understand that they can submit some of these journal entries and be able to engage with them there. Uh, we're hearing these ads in, um, uh, in their headphones while they're listening to Spotify in the middle of a, a Tuesday afternoon working on a paper. And um, so we were able, I don't have very specific stats, but I can say that the number of journal entries that they or submissions that they've gotten uh, have uh, increased dramatically uh, and that uh, we're continuing to, to help them expand that campaign uh, in a more international style. So uh, again, that's all just understanding where the people that you're trying to focus on are at uh, and then being able to provide them with content that's going to engage and interest them. And so that was a really a fun one to work on for us. Great examples. This dovetails nicely to one of the themes in my dissertation is that scientists are people too. And I'm sure it's really delightful to hear ads that you feel are addressing you um, really specifically. Can you share other ways that um, trying to inspire and just not educate with marketing campaigns unfolds in your work? Yeah. I, so we are, CG Life is a, we're a dedicated B2B uh, marketing communications agency. But like, the big thing that we've seen, and one of the things that's kept us going for 15 years now, uh, is the fact that we've always understand that there's a person on the other end of everything that we're doing. So um, I think anyone who's flipped through journals, magazines, has been marketed to in the life science area, uh, life science and healthcare areas. Um, they're familiar with seeing the ads that have the person standing in the lab coat holding a beaker, and then there's a bunch of charts and as much copy as you could fit onto a one-page ad. Um, you know, we know that it's a very uh, data-driven, uh, you know, analytical audience out there. But you know, before you get to that point, you want to connect with them on uh, kind of an emotional level. You want to be able to. Uh, you know, show them that you are on the same page as they are. You feel the pain points that they're feeling or you have a solution. You're excited for them to be able to do something. And being able to understand that there is emotion involved in marketing um, is essential. And um, so we always look at uh, ensuring that we are as passionate about the work that we're doing as uh, our clients are about what they've done and what they're trying to promote um, and making sure that, that that passion or that emotion comes through uh, in the marketing tactics and campaigns that we build out for all of our clients. Um, the data will always be there. The data is always the next step or the information or, you know, the, the more sp specific information that people are going to be looking at. Absolutely. You want to make sure that that's there because again, um, within this, the scientific community, that's what's going to, you know, be the thing that can help close the deal. Um, but just understanding that people in general, when you're marketing, you're marketing to a person and, uh, being able to make that connection, um, it, it it goes a long way towards getting noticed. Um, 
I think the other thing that's really changed is that, you know, people are used to brands having a personality now. Um, you know, I think, you know, I remember when I was growing up way too long ago, um, you know, there was the thing known as selling out, right? Oh, I remember when, uh, you know, Sting didn't add for Jaguar and everyone was like, whoa, he's sold out. That's, that's too bad. Um, now you're used to seeing all of these things in your everyday life associated with brands and in all of these different ways. You know, there was a period of, of eight years you couldn't see a music video that didn't have beats by Dre in them, right? Everyone, everyone's used to the brand as part of culture now, and people are more accepting of that. And so, um, you know, being able to be associated with a brand, people are, are looking to make that connection too. They want to be able to trust in the thing that you're selling. Um, so, you know, there is a, a relationship out there that can be established and, uh, you know, people aren't just so skeptical all the time, but they're looking for something that they can trust and that they can, uh, you know, believe in and that's going to help them accomplish what they're going to do. And so um, being more comfortable with that concept and that idea um, is a great way to be able to make that emotional connection. And when you're talking about making some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of I, I'm going to use the word disruptive in the same way I used ambush earlier. But when you're looking at something that's disruptive, it's not in the sense that, oh, I'm shaking things up. And, you know, it's just in the sense that it caused you to stop because there is something there that connected with you um, and being able to kind of create that reaction between the marketing that we're doing for our, our clients and the end user there just to be able to see that that relationship starts just because of a message or a visual or some element that connects with them that kind of starts to make them think they, they get what I need or I understand this, this is going to work for me. Um, that's when what we do gets really fun. And uh, when you look at marketing in general, it is a, a great way to be able to say we have a win when you've started a relationship because of something that's put out there because you understand the people that you're both marketing for and that you're marketing to. And, um, I, that's why I go to work every day. So it's, uh, um, it, it makes it fun. Well, Jeremiah, I just want to say it's been a pleasure learning more about geomarketing with you. And I want to thank you for um, generously and candidly sharing your insights with us. Hillary, it's been a blast. I, I think you uh, are now going to give Chris a run for his money as host oh, of the show. So, uh, I, I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be close. <laughs> But uh, uh, I, I've had a great time. Thank you both for uh, for having yeah, me. Yeah, I want to thank both of you. So, yes, Hillary, fantastic job. Thank you so much for bringing all those great questions. I mean, I, I learned um, – honestly, I learned something from you about asking questions today. And uh, Jeremiah, I love all the answers um, and the information you gave. I want to tell people that um, – because you mentioned programmatic a few times. And in one of the upcoming episodes, probably within the next month, it might be the next episode – uh, almost certainly by the episode after that, we're going to talk about programmatic and media strategy because I know that's kind of a fuzzy area, I think, for some people. And so maybe catching up on that would be a good thing to do. And um, if you don't mind, I will put both of your LinkedIn profiles up on the show notes page with this. And then I'll put a link to CG Life too, of course. But thank you both. This has been a great conversation and uh, obviously easy for me. Okay, I will admit it took me a while to catch on to this geo-targeting idea, but now that I understand it a little better and have seen a few examples, I'm really excited about how it can be used for life science marketing and be used in a relevant way to reach people where we might not otherwise find them. 
Since our last episode, I've helped another life science company get started to launch its own podcast, and I attended the world's largest podcasting conference, Podcast Movement in Philadelphia, with 2,500 other podcasters. This medium is growing, and the best opportunities are for early adopters. If you've been thinking about a podcast for your brand, now is the time to get started, and I'm here to help you. Email me, Chris at lifesciencemarketingradio.com and let's talk about uh, your ideas and how to make that happen. Thanks, as always, for taking the time to listen. I certainly appreciate it. If you like the show, and if you're still listening, I know you do, tell a couple friends and consider leaving a review on the Apple Podcast app. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Bye-bye.